This is... The Nomad Podcast. It's party time! What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Nomad Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Viking. And, um... Well, it's weird. It's lockdown. Uh, we, we can't really do the extravagant shows that we have done in the in the past couple months. We're kind of, I wouldn't say back to ground zero because the podcast itself has evolved and the communication is far better. But we're we're back to Discord talks, just like the previous episode. Um, I'm sitting here in the man cave uh, without the fancy fancy technology that heavy has brought to this we don't we don't have the buttons for all the intros and the everything so i i hope i took the time to uh, edit in a intro at least but i'll tell you what i'm not going to do i'm definitely not going to take the time to edit in all of the sponsor stuff i'm just going to get into the talking and then i'm going to uh tell you i'm just going to talk about the sponsors instead of trying to put in the uh all the stuff that we've pre-recorded Excuse me. Um, today it's a it's a lovely Sunday morning right now. Podcast coming out. Uh, the I th- I think I'm actually going to post it later tonight. If you're listening to this in the future, there's a big reveal coming up with the guest that's on today. Um, had an amazing chance to sit down and really just shoot the shit with a previous guest who you all know and love, and uh, we're we're kind of working together to release this at the same time that he lets the general public know the things that we talked about. Um, so before I get too far into it, guys, I really just want to say thank you to everyone that's been so supportive this entire year, uh, had amazing feedback. Um, you, you guys can give some negative feedback every now and then. It's, it's the only way for me to grow. You guys are being so amazing about talking about the things you like, but I really do want to hear those things that uh, that could be worked on. And don't you dare tell me that uh, that we could work on better Discord and stuff like that because we're, we're doing the best we can to uh, bring content to you. But sponsors of this show have been amazing. We have Black Cell Promotions. These guys have been... From the very start, from the very first episode, they're hosting amazing games all year long next year. I think they have five plus games. You you know the thing, enough Millicent to keep your cock hard all year long uh, and all that jazz, but uh, really just running phenomenal games. They're, they're working on running some more serious Nightfall-esque um, games. I'm sure it's, it's going to be wildly different, but uh, for us in the Ontario Airsoft community, it's going to be what it's relatable to um which is really good to see but uh definitely check these guys out for some games that are unlike anything else you you've experienced in ontario airsoft our other sponsors though speed nation combat solutions i have an awful time saying that every time and that's why we pre-recorded this but uh these guys another we got mocha and frank um in that shop really doing cool shit for the Niagara Airsoft community and also all Milsom around Ontario really being huge supporters and sponsors of everything. You got uh, Dan, the tech in there, Hellboy, um, really doing some cool shit. So uh, I'll make sure to put some links and stuff down below. But uh, you guys you guys know the jet, the, the, I almost said you guys know the jizz of it, which 
I think that I think I might make out a saying now. You know the juice of it. Uh, also, we got uh, Keanu Adam Whitehall. He's got a live show every Thursday night. Um, consistently, it's amazing. I'm I'm working myself on trying to be as consistent as he is. Uh, it's on. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know his Instagram, but uh, I'll make sure to put that down in the comment section below or beside or wherever you listen to this. But uh, go ahead and check him out for some weekly Airsoft content. Um, he's really worked on making a good following. Um, it's growing steadily, so it's good to see that. Um, last one, I believe, is uh, TechEd, Colin Brink from Nomad Airsoft. Uh, also known as the tech from Niger Quartermaster. He's doing some shit on his uh, own. If you need any sort of tech work done, get a hold of this guy. Um, you all, anybody listening to this podcast already knows Colin Brink is one of the most well known techs in the community. So get a hold of him. If you're looking for some projects done, he'll, uh, he'll work some shit out with you. So, anyways, that's the sponsors. Guys, you know how much time I just saved by just talking that out instead of trying to fidget it in. Um, but anyways, guys, our, our show for today, um, I'm currently drinking water right now. Uh, you're probably wondering why. That's not a very nomad podcast thing to do. I'm going to take a sip right now. Uh, the reason why is I was out rucking all morning. Um, not a big one. A couple hours. Uh, took the dogs. Realize real quick, uh, you got to pack more water, especially when you're bringing dogs, because uh, it's uh, you don't realize how much they drink compared to how much you would like to drink. Um, and and I would also, as much as I hate to say it, I would not recommend putting whiskey in your coffee. It just straight dehydrates you. Um, if you have more water and not dogs, then uh, maybe just fill up a whiskey. But uh, don't don't get out don't get an hour out and realize you don't have any more water and you're dehydrated from the booze. But uh, so that's what I've been doing this morning. I really, really kind of owe that to uh, Michael Bacon, um, the former Green Commander of Nightfall last year uh, and, and quite a few other games actually. But uh, he's been posting all sorts of things about rocking and stuff like that and something I really want to start myself too. So it, it's. It's crazy how much of a difference it makes from, you know, going out and jogging compared to put up, put however many pounds on your back, um, doing the same kind of general uh, lap. I, I do want to get a uh, scale and see how much my thing was, but basically what I did is I took a, I have a Shadow Strategic um, Pegasus bag, I believe it's called. Um, I just loaded up a fuckload of airsoft stuff into it. Just, just things, not even things I would need in a game. I just, I was just trying to get weight in it. Um, and then I went for a, a walk there and, uh, it's the fitness aspect of it is huge. So, um, Mike, Michael, whatever you prefer, um, like bright, um, thank you. I owe you a big thanks. That's uh, going to be a new hobby of mine. I'm seeing all you guys losing a bunch of weight. So, uh, it's kind of maybe time I try, but kind of on the same topic as we're talking about Michael, he's a big, um, big black line guy. And our guest of today is the biggest black line guy. We have Sean Arbuthnot. Um, I have a really good interview with him pre-recorded. Gonna edit that in. Um, but just, uh, it's really good to see, um, people from the community going out of their way to get involved with this podcast to deliver content to all you guys. Um, so I, I'm not going to take 
too much away from that. I'm going to let you guys tune in and listen, but unfortunately I didn't talk about the whiskey that I was drinking during the, uh, the interview. Cause I, it kind of it got started real quick and we started talking, we started hammering points right away. Um, and that's another thing about the discord. It's hard to sit down and share whiskey and talk about what you're drinking, but I was actually, I got the bottle right in front of me here. Um, I was drinking spice box, gingerbread spice whiskey. Um, it's, uh, well, it's pretty fucking terrible. I would not suggest it at all um i did mix it down with some club soda when i was drinking it during the uh um during the interview and i had had it straight a little bit before that and it is just um not good it's way too sweet when you're when you're looking for whiskey it's uh you know you kind of want that burn want that whatever it's more of a liqueur almost um very similar to the peanut butter whiskey we did not too long ago. Uh, same aspect. It's not something that I really enjoyed. Um, I also don't know if it's like a Christmas thing, like if it's not going to be around during other seasons or whatever. But uh, don't waste your time. Don't fucking drink that. There, There's two points throughout the episode where I get... Uh, I message Karen from the other room and ask her to bring me a beer because the whiskey is so terrible. But I was drinking uh, Guinness, which is always good. But anyways, without uh, further ado, we got the, what, I'm making sure, doing a mental checklist, we got the whiskey, we got the sponsors, definitely got the intro. Let's go ahead and get into this, guys, really hope you enjoy this interview uh, coming out of it. I'll be at the end uh, because I've got a great fucking guy of the week, and um, this is a very, this is a very special one to me, I don't know if my headset just made a noise or not but uh this is a very special one to me so listen in at the end um there's a new airsoft content creator looking to start making some cool shit in the community so see you then guys what's going on guys welcome back we have a very special guest here again today uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember what episode it was, but we have Sean Arbuthnot, a returning guest. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, it's great to have you back. Um, I know I've been in pretty good contact with you about it, but our past Black Line um, podcast ended up being one of the best we've had, so it's great to get you back on. That's awesome, man. Glad to hear that. Uh, for anybody that maybe doesn't know why don't you run through a little bit about what Blackline is who you are uh yeah sure so uh let's see if i can remember how i did this last time uh Blackline is a military and espionage simulation uh, we basically do our best to give people as a realistic and immersive experience as we possibly can um, for me personally i've been in airsoft about 20 years now I uh, got tired doing sort of regular games and running and gunning and wanted something more challenging. And this is the result. So after uh, 20, I think five or six years now, we've been running this. And uh, yeah, that's that's where I spent the vast majority of my time. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny. I, I know I said the same things in the in the first episode. I'm a big fanboy of black black line events. I recently started getting involved at the I guess. I guess would be the entry bottom level of what you guys do, but it's great to be finally involved. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have you. I think that um, you call it entry level. I think it's just uh, it's just 
skills improvement, right? I think mm-hmm. we've all, everybody has a bunch of pre-existing skills in various levels. And um, one of the things we're trying to do is just increase people's capability, right? And so I th- what you took part in was that comms course that we did. Mm-hmm. And that's just giving everybody sort of a basic understanding of comms equipment and, um, and giving them the ability to practice a bunch of it, right? So they actually get a little bit better at it than they were before. Exactly. Communication being a massive part of what you guys do. Like you said, it's not just run and gun. You do some more espionage, tactical stuff. Um, we'll definitely get into the comms course a little bit later because I, I hold that course at the highest regard. I really want to get that out there. And it's something that is now a lot more open to the public. Um before it kind of seemed like there was a bit of a stigma on who could partake in Blackline, whereas now it definitely seems like it's opening up to the com- community and there's a lot more people interested in wanting to get involved. I actually give credit for that to people like you. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> say it again. Just say it one more time. Can you just say that one I more time? I give you credit. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Um, no, so the, I, the, we ran the last comms course was... Uh, what was that last weekend, I think, right? Yep. And when we, we'd run two that same day and we had a bunch of guys on before you and then we had your team on and everybody, I for the first time I told people, you know, if you really enjoyed this, you should talk about it and share it. And little did I know that would actually work. So mm-hmm. people did talk about it and share it. And since that's happened, we've already filled up uh, one more and we're halfway through filling up another. So yeah. it's been nice to see people like you sharing that it's valuable, you've got value out of it, and that it seems to be worthwhile. Yeah, I saw, so there was a course before us that was, that was the sixth course, right? 006. That was six, yeah. Nomad ended up sniping a 007 course, especially when Very you're doing... Very prestigious spot. When you're doing espionage, total accident also. We did not plan that. I didn't find out until there was comments asking who got the 007 spot. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... Us, as well as I'd seen Mike Wartooth has been a big part of Blackline in this last year, really promoting that. Uh, the Bearded Chef, Andrew Mitchells, I believe his name is, was in the first course as well, right? Yeah, he was in uh, the the sixth, the class six as well. Yeah, yeah he's, he's another big supporter of the team uh, out in North, um, the team and the podcast, I mean, uh, out in North Bay. So that's awesome to see. Really saw nothing but posts about this course the next day. Um I wasn't aware who was in the course before. I wasn't really expecting to see a lot of other posts about it. Obviously, Nomad's a very social media-based team. So it was great to see the amount of other people promoting it and just reading the comments as I went through so many people being like, wow, how do I get involved in that? Yeah, and I I think I told you this last time uh, during our last chat, but you just sign up, right? Mm. There's no no barrier here, uh, especially for the comms course and the way that we're sort of all uh, locked away in our houses. It is very easy to join if you have a computer and a cell phone, right? Oh. Super easy to join and, and participate. Well, it's kind of as bad as being in lockdown is. It, it was kind of the perfect storm for Blackline being able to bring on all these new people because everyone's locked in their house, don't know what to do. They've always heard about Blackline, but now they have this very accessible course that gets their foot in the door and there's not a lot of reason to not do it. Yeah, so we had we thought about doing this quite some time ago and then when March rolled around and we all sort of started to get locked in for the first wave, 
uh, it was kind of a mad rush to complete a version that we could put out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know specifically when we ran class one, um, but that was the sort of first attempt. And basically every time we've been doing it, we've been making tweaks and changes based on the feedback that people like you have been providing. Mm-hmm. So class seven has received seven, like seven iterations, seven evolutions of improvements on the course, right? So the right. stuff you see and the stuff that you guys learned is um, just evolution of, of, the, of the course, I guess. Awesome. Well, so I guess now is as good a time as ever to get into it. Uh, kind of starting off on what I was expecting going into it. Uh, for like, you see all these blackline courses that, or not courses like the games, um, and you you see very little of it. I guess you only see it if you're part of the right group of friends that you see stuff you're not supposed to see. But um, it's so. It's prestigious in the airsoft community, kind of. You're doing cool stuff that isn't just anybody's allowed to walk out and do random shit. Like, it's trained people that are respected in the community, at least. And then you have this course simply based on the communications of that, which is really stressed is the most important part of these future Blackline events. So, going into it, I... And it's something kind of talked about uh, Caleb and I brought up in the course. I thought that I was going to learn how a radio works. And so I just want to make sure anybody was, I don't know if that's something you're going to bring in in the future, but um, I just want to reiterate the courses about how to properly use a radio and communicate, not how to technically use a radio. <laughs> yeah. So when you say technically use, are you, I think when we, you mentioned like how to program one of the UV five R's or something. Yeah, right? was that the example you were using? Yeah, the the programming of it and stuff because that was a big thing for me. Being a not, you know, I don't come from any background that would need me to use a radio. So the programming of channels and stuff was the most daunting part to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and now me saying that that wasn't in the course isn't uh, me having any sort of detriment to the course. It's just I want people to know that that is not what they're getting involved in. Um, just so that way, maybe that doesn't happen again yeah no for sure so you you're not i think i mentioned this in the course too right that you weren't the first person to mention they thought they would learn how to program a baofeng mm-hmm. um and i just know that it takes more time to learn than maybe we have so since since the conversation and since the last course we've included a link to a video that is very explicitly how to program your radio so it's a self-study thing. You know, we won't have to cover it during the class, but we've given you a link that you can use to guide yourself through that programming. Um, the other thing we mentioned too, which I haven't incorporated yet, is uh, programming by cable. I know you can get a computer mm-hmm. cable and a piece of software called Chirp, and you can program it all through just typing in numbers on your computer, which is also a nice way to do it. Um, yeah. But we'll include both those things in in the course going forward, just so people can see that that is the route. If, you, if that's what you want to know about, you can head down that direction. Yeah, absolutely. And you were amazing with answering the questions we had as well as giving, like you had just said, with those links and stuff like that, giving us what we were looking for when we had those questions. So, but getting away from what some people might think were in it and it's not, let's talk more about what's actually in it. What is the, I guess from the creator's mindset, what what is a synopsis of what the course is? So the course basically goes over some extremely basic function of what radio is, um, what pieces of the spectrum you're allowed to use in Canada that differs from country to country, 
uh, and why and what the consequences are if you don't use the right channels or if you go off of the permitted channels. We cover a bit about equipment. There's a good section in there about the kinds of comms gear people are using. We've got mm -hmm. some, uh, some good examples provided by guys from the Blackline community. We have some discount codes from some companies that we trust. Um, and then we get into the actual sort of operation, the meat and potatoes that covers, you know, what is radio procedure? What are pro words? Uh, how do you do a comms check? What is, you know, how do you actually operate uh, a comms network, right? So mm -hmm. we spent a lot of time and, you know, doing the practical stuff, right? We give you a bunch of different exercises to roll through uh, and you're working with all these people on, on Zello, which is our sort of global push to talk comms network. Um, and it lets you, actually practice this stuff real time with people and so you get a chance to start off you get a chance to make your mistakes this is a very open and uh you know forgiving environment and by the end uh the last two courses we ran there's a, there's a noticeable difference in people's capabilities so that's basically what it is it's over about three hours and i think we're up to cost about 28 dollars for three hours of your time mm -hmm. and we usually do it on a weekend so that you have some time to to do it we might do some week night courses if people are interested and yeah usually but once a month we'll run one yeah so one thing you had said there that uh i really noticed too was talking about the noticeable difference between people at the start of the course and people at the end um with the with you had said like the meat and potatoes of the course being you know proper terms and pro words and stuff like that it's a lot of people, you, you kind of think you know how to talk in a radio because you've been playing video games and you heard movies and all this stuff. And, and then you get on a radio with someone who actually knows how to use it and you, you kind of really quickly realize you have no idea what you're doing. I, I think most people have an idea, but mm. the, the challenge is making it consistent and making it clear, right? Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you, I use the example, I was at an event uh, not too long ago where I had dual comms running. So I had one one ear was one group and one ear was the other group. And the one ear, my left ear, was uh, mostly black line guys. So mm -hmm. it had been black line guys and some non-black line guys that had some really good understanding of radio procedure. And that was a crystal clear, organized comms network on my left ear. And on the right ear was a bit of a shit show. Mm -hmm. There were guys hot micing, guys complaining on comms about not being able to hear people or hearing people jamming things. Um, people not knowing who's talking, confused messages, broken signals. Um, it's, it's pretty obvious. And it's, it's nice to see people go from a place of less knowledge to a place of more knowledge and, and something that is visibly different, audibly different, I guess, yeah. um, to hear you guys, you know, your team and also the guys before you. There were definitely improvements on comms from both groups. Well, even, so me personally, Going into it, there like I felt pretty confident on how to talk and calm, but there was so much I came out of it learning, and I felt I was so much more concise at the end. And as just another personal example, um, No2 Soap, Karen, my my loving girlfriend, was a room over doing the course at the same time, and she went into it with no comms knowledge at all, and came out being able to relay what she's you know, what she's meaning to say without stuttering and going on and on. Yeah. One of the, the things that you start to learn when you're on, when you have a chance to practice this stuff is you can see where you're wasting time, mm -hmm. right? So Karen's a great example. She improved a lot over the course, but early on, you know, when she wanted to, for the comms lead to wait a minute, she would explain that she will get that information back to us right away. Please hold on. When all you really need to broadcast is wait out. Mm-hmm. 
right? And that, that communicates all you need to communicate. Learning how to be concise is hard, and learning how to stop stream of consciousness on on the comms network is hard. You know, it's difficult to to stop narrating what's going on and start thinking about summarizing and then communicating exactly what you're looking to say. Right. One of the the best things coming out of it that I had heard before, but it, it wasn't in a learning environment, so I guess I didn't retain it as much. It's uh, you have a push to talk, not push to think. Um, so just learning that you you can use that stop or wait um, and then you don't have to try and respond right away and say everything that you can think of right away. You can say wait and then respond once you have the thought in your head and are ready to say it. Yeah, that's a really powerful tool. Um, very frequently, like you said, people will press the button and then start thinking about and kind of talking about what they're trying to say. And the best case scenario is if you're going to take more than a couple seconds to, to relay your message, hitting that button, hitting, you know, saying wait out, lets the person on the other end, A, know that you've heard them. So like, it's not that your broadcast hasn't gone through. I'm not going to call you again to see if you received, but now I know not to expect a response from you right away. You have time to think, formulate, con condense your content down into something very concise and then broadcast it out. That's a very handy thing. Just... Um, Sorry, sorry to cut you off. It's a great communication tool that I hadn't really thought of before because it allows the person that has sent the message to know that you're not like, especially in an airsoft sense, um, like we all just airsofters, but it lets that person know that you're not, you know, hit and can't communicate back. It lets them know that you're just, you need a second and you will be responding. Yeah, I have a, there's, there's one particular member of the black line community who, is very notorious for that and not because he's having trouble formulating his message but because he wants us to stop bothering him <laughs> he's basically we would ask for updates or something and he's busy executing and he will just say wait out and then he'll get back to us later with an update which is again a, a perfectly valid use of that same sort of pro word yeah that's awesome and i you said uh so i'm sure the price on this might change by the time people are listening to this or looking to get involved but as of right now you said it's around 28 dollars, correct yeah i've set it to 28 right now when I really do, sorry, I I do have to do a shout out for uh, soap again right now. She just brought me a beer, so that is lovely. I uh, I poured myself a nice hefty drink, thinking that that would last me through the episode, and it did not. But getting back into it, um, Sean, what was I saying? Well, we were talking about comms. And we're yep. talking about the comms, of course. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay, the money. There we go. Sorry, I got oh, so money. got so distracted by this beverage. It's a nice frothy Guinness. Um, the the twenty eight dollars for a three hour course for the amount of knowledge that you come out of that with is easily easily justifiable. Um, I and you know not to not to say you should, but even if you were to go up a little bit, still anybody listening that wants to do this course, it will immensely change the way that you play the game of Airsoft. Even if you are someone who is secure, we've talked about security and any other job that needs radios, like you'll come out of this with knowledge on how to properly talk over radio, which a lot of people just don't have. Yeah, we had a couple comments around that. I think there was a fellow that does security and he said that his job was to try and teach people how to use a radio. And he said that the vast majority of people who are using one it's a gong show right um and i mean it's we're gonna the course is gonna get better over time right the more material we add the better we refine it um the price may go up 
right? Mm -hmm. You're paying for a, a work in progress right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't think $30 is too much to spend on anything. And I think that, uh, you know, the same way that you practice dry fire drills in your basement and you practice mag changes, uh, you're not practicing comms most of the time. And this is a good opportunity for you to, to learn some, some important methods, some techniques, and for you to get a chance to do that live, right? Yeah. The, some of the difference, I mean, I've seen other comms courses out there that offer, you know, $10 and we'll go over, you know, half an hour and we'll talk about what comms is and how radios work and pro words and stuff. But I think that the, all the feedback we've had is the, the practical piece where you do these exercises that we run is what actually gets you to improve because you're getting a chance to hear other people, hear, um, hear how they're doing it, hear how they're making mistakes and improving and hearing your own mistakes. It's a, it's really probably the most beneficial piece of it. Absolutely. Uh, one more thing, I guess, kind of before we move on, because we got a lot of shit to talk about here. I've been wanting to talk to you since, uh, I guess, the last time we did this. But um, that meat and potatoes that we did of the comms and the pro words, you had laid out a very, um, it's just a very well thought out practice. Uh, there was different pictures on the screen and a partner or two partners would have to try and pick a location on that and describe to each other using the proper comms where it was, or you had, uh, well, I think it was eight different scenarios and each person was a, was at that scenario. And you would ask us in advance that we'd have to say, talk to, we all had different call signs and numbers during the event, but I would have to contact Caleb and ask him what his casualties are like. And he would have to have a piece of paper on, in front of him, knowing what his casualties are. And in response, he would ask a different person, another question that you had already set up, um, all using proper comms. So not only was it very good practice and really something, um, it, it's more than just reading it or just hearing it. You're you're actively doing what you're being told at that moment. So you come out of it with that knowledge and also you come out of it with that PDF to then say, wow, I really liked this. Hey, Caleb, why don't we practice that this weekend too? And you can just make your own shit up with that piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. We tried to take uh, a few... So there's a, a company called Chimera, Chimera Firearms Training, and they did a comms course. They have a, had a military, had a Kansoff guy on there, and he was where our um, our push to talk, not push to think, came from. Yep. He's he his concepts are baked into what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? His 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 thoughts and his experience a little bit. Obviously, this is not a Kansoff comm taught course. That's no. not how this works. And I think if you were looking to speak to an actual person, you should talk to Chimera. Um, but for sort of a basic entry level air softer, 30 bucks, let's, let's learn some basic stuff around comms. I think it's really important to note, right? Is that the, the comm stuff we did wasn't just talking back and forth. It was having to take information in, process it, summarize it and send it back. Right. And that was something that, that you're having to do all the time at, at airsoft and it, being able to do it proficiently is important. And that's kind of what we try and do in that course. And you're right, it is designed to, to teach self-study. Uh, we, we cannot run a, I mean, we could, but we, we don't run a uh, weekly comms test where everyone gets to come on comms and do some exercises. Mm -hmm. But we can tell you what you maybe want to try with your buddies, with your teammates, and you can practice that at home and get better at it. Exactly. And for, you did it for Nomad. You hosted a private event, um, which I, again, very thankful 
for that, but anybody listening that might not want to join just some random course, uh, Sean and I have also talked, you can ask him if he can run a private course for your team as well, and I, uh, I'm i not mistaken by that, right? That is what you said? That's right. So okay. I'm, I'm happy to run private courses. Uh, you just have to work out a time with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can do up to eight people pretty much uh, really quickly, right, at short notice. Mm-hmm. I'm able to accommodate more. I just have to bring in assistance to help run the practical exercises. We would basically break people off into different channels and groups of eight, and they would all work independently with a, another instructor, and then we'd come back together. Yeah, perfect. And I know teams like uh, that I play with all the time, like Crywolf, Aegis, um, Inc. is definitely going to, are, sorry, not is, where am I learning my grammar, uh, are definitely teams that I'm going to be doing my part to send your way to hopefully they partake in this course too, not only because... Um, you know, I want to do my part to support, but also because these are guys that I have to play with on the field every year. These are three teams that, you know, we consistently are on tan side. That's our go-to. I want them to have the same knowledge that I have. So that way we can do even better than we already do. Yeah. So actually it's funny you mentioned that. I know Jody from Cry Wolf has signed up for the course at the end of January. There's still a few slots left in that one. Beautiful. Um, So hopefully he'll see some value and maybe it's worth it for him and his team to go. Um, but if you, again, if you've seen value in it, you think it's worthwhile, uh, feel free to share, and I will keep running them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Jody um, with Crywolf and Nomad, we we played together quite a bit. But there was a summer where we tried to play as a team called Mad Wolf. <laughs> it uh, it didn't exactly work out just because they're from Windsor, which is way too far away to try and actually play together. But uh, they're good guys. They're great guys. Yeah. Uh, moving on though, uh, about future courses and you had kind of talked about a possibility of an advanced course in this uh online course is are you thinking you're going to make some sort of secondary comms course yeah so the intent with the advanced level course would be to to pick people who want to be the comms guy right so take guys who want to be the comms guy or people who want uh, like a real uh real sort of advanced look into Huh, advanced look into milsim comms, right? <laughs> Which is not as advanced as milsim comms again, I guess. Um, but we'll be basically working our way through things like like actually comms planning, right? If you were in charge of a network, what are you going to have to do to stand that up? If you're in charge of comms on your team, you know how do you work with other comms guys from other teams to build the plan? And then how do reports work? And putting that into again another more practical exercises of how do you communicate casualties? How do you communicate contacts? How do you communicate supply requests? And mm being able to keep track of that information in a dynamic environment. So it's in the works, it's on its way. Uh, the, this course is definitely, the basic one is definitely a prerequisite for the, the more advanced course mm-hmm. because you're gonna need to be pretty good with radio procedure and documenting things and not pushing to think uh, mm-hmm. if you're gonna go into that course. Uh, it's awesome segue, you're doing all the work for me, but about the prerequisites, I know we had talked before about some of the events you run will actually have prerequisite training days and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question being, is this basics comm course a prerequisite to anything that's existing already? No. So we're not at a place where we could enforce this as a requirement for people. Um, but it's been, it has been recommended almost every course we run by somebody that says, this should be a requirement for people with a radio, 
right? If you're going to have a radio, you should know how to use it and know some of these basic functions. Um, we're not there. Uh, I think we could probably uh, talk about comms guys, that advanced course being a prerequisite for key roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the short term, no, it's just a really handy, useful thing for people yeah. to have. Well, and I think we've talked, and a couple of my teammates have talked too, about when there's training that is simply just airsoft stuff, right? There's going to be people in the community that are like, I'm not going to pay to learn how to play airsoft. And then there's people in the community that really do want to learn things. And then there's a weird area of like, well, how, how do you price it? Not nothing against you or anything like that, but it, it's, it's not a course coming from, you know, like you had said was the, uh, the company you had said before. That's Chimera. Chimera, Chimera sorry. Um, so, but finding that pricing limit, I think you found a really good spot in that $30 price limit. If you were to do an advanced one, that's say a little bit more or whatever, like it should be, cause it's more advanced. Um, I, I really do think, especially if making it a specific role in your guys' events, it makes perfect sense because then these people that are spending the money to learn things are then opening new doors for them that maybe makes them feel a little bit more special than someone that has the attitude that they don't have to do any courses. Yeah, it's tough, right? I, training, we talked about this last time too, right? Yeah. The training is one of those things people don't want to pay for, or when they do, they expect it to be done by a CanSoftCom veteran for 40 bucks. Mm. And it's like, there's no there's no balance there. So I know that there's there's companies that have stood up like Apex. So Apex is um, is a training company that's kind of come out of the old TTAC group. Yep. And they're offering some pretty intelligent, smart, uh, advanced education in gunfighting and for airsofters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, using actual real world techniques with, you know, knowledge from people who actually know, who run this stuff on a regular basis. Um, and it costs, it costs you a hundred dollars a day. Yep. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I think people have to start thinking about whether or not um, education and learning is worth more to them than, than a new magazine for their gun. Yeah, exactly. Right? And uh, the last Apex course that was hosted at Siege, Karen and I were actually planning to attend. I can't remember off the top of my head. Did it get canceled? Do you remember? It might be, yeah. There's, I mean, we were going to have them run a course for uh, a certain Aperture event, but they, we had to cancel our yeah. opponent, right? So we, that's what COVID does. Yeah. Can't stuff, can't stuff 30 people into a building right now. Oh, exactly. I think that had some, I can't remember off the top of my head if we had something else going on and had to bail or if it, it got canceled. Um, but we were hoping to do that too. And I know a lot of the Nomad members are looking for that training aspect. We've been trying to treat the game a little bit more as a sport over the last two years. Um, I mean, you know, as best as any are, uh, some of our, uh, oh, what's exploits. The, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's, yeah, basically, you know some of the, the stories that have come out of, of Nomad where are kind of known to be party boys and whatnot, which is not far from the truth. We definitely are, but we have been, uh, in the last year or so, working to treat it more as a sport and get a lot better. Um, not that I feel anybody on our team was ever bad. It's just we're, you know, we're, we're taking it a little bit more serious. No one take that as we're stepping back from the partying because we throw the best airsoft parties. Um, but it's just... It's really good to see this option in the community. Even if there's people out there that think it's the stupidest thing in the world, a waste of money, there's going to be that group of people that want to do it, and at least there's an option there. There will always be people that don't like what you're doing, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is. 
So the question is, do you let that uh, stop you or do you just keep doing something that people seem to be getting value from? So you can probably guess where we're going. Oh, exactly. Uh, We could talk about that topic forever. But moving on, obviously, Black Lion got kind of got the shit end of the stick this year. Um, Had to play play it back a little bit from a lot of the plans you had. Uh, I, I I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about a past event I was supposed to be part of or not. Is that is that still planned or? Yeah, I would. I keep a pin in that for now. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Look, yeah. look at me knowing not to tell secrets. Well, I just received four uh, assault plans today for that event, so oh, okay. it's probably best to to still hold on. Okay, hold on yeah, that. yeah. I didn't know if it was completely canceled or something, but uh, yeah. got my foot in the door. <laughs> um. Anyway, so future plans for black line as of 2021 how how are you guys planning knowing that we're still in a lockdown uh it's very tough um we are sort of in a weird place we are we're not a business that owns a piece of property Mm -hmm. right so i'm not like prz i'm not like um you know other paintball facilities or siege for example right i don't have a building to operate out of so mm-hmm. when it comes to health department regulations I, can't, I don't have sort of the the clout that a business does right mm-hmm. so when businesses stay open and they say no private gatherings over 25 people like, well but you can gather over here in that building at prz but i can't i can't go and set that up at a private location right, right. so it's it's put us in a bit of a bind to be honest there's a bunch of stuff we hope to do um early this year and that's kind of put on hold so a lot of what we're in the process of planning is is outdoor is socially distanced but still keeps people uh, engaged with the the kind of exercises and, and operations that blackline does um surveillance is a great one espionage is a great one you don't have to be close to anybody in fact it's best if you're not mm-hmm. um we're looking into some some basic kind of shelter stuff right so like let's get some guys and talk about how to build a shelter because i've seen some pretty crappy shelters at airsoft overnight events oh absolutely um you know, and just giving guys again back to that really basic understanding of how stuff works and then letting them sort of practice on their own, how, giving them sort of a foundation for them to work from. Um, that kind of stuff is easy to do. It is, it is socially distant, so you don't have a problem with it. And I can run it regardless of what kind of lockdowns we're under, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing stopping you from going out and going for a walk uh, with Karen and not, uh, <laughs> and also doing surveillance at the same time. Exactly. So, yeah. We uh, That's... Funny that you say that. We've been. Uh, I really want to attend one of your surveillance um, operations because I've been thinking of my own ways that, with just nomad around town, like we we had talked how we all live ten minutes away from each other. I've been thinking of different ways that we could just do one just amongst our own team around town. Uh, I've been thinking of a, lo- a lot of really cool ways, and it's it's funny. Like way back when I was in college, we used to play a game that was like almost like manhunt, but like just like like adults, I guess, or whatever, where we would have to like take pictures of each other. And that's how people were it and stuff. And we run around town, like hiding. And when I hear about these surveillance missions and what you guys talk about, it reminds me of that so much. Well, so it's funny you mentioned all of that. Uh, cause we haven't talked about this at all, but I'm fairly convinced that the next one I'll run is in the Hamilton region. And nice. I've been basically considering, uh, tagging your group to see who would want to come out and try it. Because I know none of you guys have done that stuff with us before, um, but it would be a good entry for you guys to see sort of a different way to to play the game. 
right? Yeah. There's no airsoft involved, but that it's not something that's hard to add in, mm. right? So, oh yeah, no, absolutely, and I can vouch for everyone that has already shown interest that we'd be interested in that. Uh, one thing I would like to remind the people listening is black line events. Although we would be signing it, we are a team signing up. Uh, remember that black line events are no one's on a team. Everyone's. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely, and, and that doesn't mean everyone doesn't work together. But the the main idea behind a lot of your events is you know you don't always get to choose who you, who you work with, and you really have to work well with everyone to be you know a good whatever. Yeah, it's it's capability based and it's uh and like not ego driven, right? So if you think and this is going to sound bad, but if you think you're good and you think you've got it all figured out and you think you're the best, like, thanks for coming. But you're yeah. probably actually not the kind of person that should be out there, right? Because it's, if you can't learn, if you can't adapt, if you can't work well with others, take direction from others, uh, you're, you're just not a good team player. Exactly. And if that's the case, then yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. That's why we divide people up, I find. And we talked about this last time on your, your, yep. your podcast as well. And if anybody wants to hear the more detailed explanation, I'd recommend they go back in time and listen to that one. Uh, yeah, that um, one is, uh, it's actually, I believe, just labeled uh, black line, so it won't be hard oh, to find. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea just basically that teams, teams are great, uh, but people go out to be with their team. And if you're going out to be with your team, you're not there for the mission. And so that's... That's why we kind of remove you from that environment. And we find that that's a really, really useful way to get people to focus in. And we've had some really good success that way. Exactly. And I think there are some people that might hear that and, you know, think that it, it's going to be an experience they don't want because they're not in their comfort zone with their team. And you really just have to think if, if you're in the mindset that you want to be there and you want to learn and you want to do something, you're surrounded by like-minded people. It's not an open walk-on thing. So uh, just don't. Get out of your shell a little bit, do it, and um, you know, just learn like the rest of us. Yeah, uh, I love how I was on a really good spree off the start. There, I was, I was sounding really good, and then I finished it up with or whatever, and <laughs> I was like, my mind just went blank, and I was like, this seems like a good thing to say. I'll stop there. I'm certainly not judging you, so you're fine. <laughs> that's all right, and it's probably the best listen- listeners have ever heard from me, so that's okay. Um. So there's a few little secrets I want to get into that I know I'm allowed to talk about because I've briefly talked to you about it before. Let's start out first. Recently, you posted a picture without a lot of, I guess, background on it at all. And the picture was of a helicopter. Mm-hmm. What information can you give me? I've made sure to not get any information from you beforehand so that way I can be just as surprised. Sure. What's going on? Okay. So... um by the time this podcast comes out, we should have probably posted the actual event information. So I will basically tell you what should be on the event info. Um, for a long time, so 2012, I was doing Vietnam Reacting, and we had the opportunity to ride in a Huey and deploy from a Huey uh, the way that you would deploy from a Huey if you were a soldier, right? Helicopter comes down, everybody runs out, goes prone, helicopter takes off. Uh, that was a pretty epic experience. I really, really enjoyed that. And I've been looking to recreate that ever since. So the challenge was trying to find um, A, a company that would let us do that, and B, giving people the experience, uh, the sort of skill set to do that safely. And we now have both. So um, 
the hope is in the long run to actually use this company on a more ongoing basis to use helicopters and aerial platforms for stuff. But in the short term, uh, we'd like to start getting people qualified to use this helicopter. Um, so we've, we've partnered with a company called Helicopters Canada up in North Bay, and we've been working with them extensively over the past few months to talk about safety and, and different skill sets. Um, they're building up a, a training program for us. They're going to mm-hmm. put together a very extensive uh, safety brief, weapons management, all that kind of stuff. And then we're going to run it. And so I think our dates are February 20 and March 9. February 20th is the, the primary date and March 9 being the backup date. We're going to take a class of 12 and we're going to go to North Bay and we're going to spend the morning learning safety information about helicopters, how to operate around them safely. We're going to learn about how to handle your weapons safely in a helicopter and we're going to add our own airsoft level of safety attached to that. And then we're going to spend the morning finishing off with uh, boarding and exiting drills, right? So how do you get on the helicopter, you get off, get the rotors turning, help you under- like get a feel for what that's like. And then in the afternoon, we're going to run missions. So they've got a, a place nearby. And so the missions will basically be, you will board the helicopter with all your kit, your weapon and everything. They will fly you to this location. You will, you will get out without anybody's help. There will be no people with safety vests. You're just going to deploy like a soldier. The helicopter will fly away. You will work on a very short mission to assault a target. And then you're going to move to your pickup zone and get picked up by the helicopter and flown back. Sean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure that's the quietest I've ever came. <laughs> How can you just say that so calmly? You're like, um, there's going to be a helicopter. It's going to be the coolest thing you've ever experienced. But hey, well, I didn't say that. I didn't say <laughs> no, that. but I'm, yeah. it, it, for a lot of people, you, you see that picture and you see them, there's probably got to be something to do with a helicopter. There's probably maybe out of game, anything like that. I know in the state side, there's the odd thing that, you know, a person can win a helicopter ride into a game or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, just another thing, the experience you guys are like, well, yeah, the experience you guys are bringing to Airsoft is so much different. Like you're offering an experience that you're not going to get anywhere. Now, the biggest issue being you said you're only taking a class of 12 two times, right? The, the well, so this is this is the class. The, the first group will be a class of twelve, and right. we have a primary date and a backup date because, as you know, helicopters can get called away for actual things that are important, like firefighting. Or oh, rescue. absolutely. Uh, helicopters um, like won't operate in bad weather, so we're talking uh, February and March. So there's possibility that the weather will cancel it. Um, we also know too that like. Um, yeah, like COVID situation up in North Bay might also be different too, right? I don't want to to bring a bunch of problems up there and I don't want to, to violate any health orders. So prior, like as long as all that stuff makes sense, um, yeah, we, this is an opportunity for people to learn uh, how to use a helicopter uh, for this purpose. So you're right that in the States, this stuff's much more common. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, there's been helicopters here in North America too, um, or sorry, in Canada as well. I mean, I know that uh, there's some guys out East that had some, um, it's not it's not unheard of, um, but for me and for for what I want to be able to do with them, the requirements are that you you need to be able to deploy from that helicopter wherever we put it down without any help. Yeah. Um, and so um, that's the that's the hope is that I've I've got some plans for later in the year. We can't talk about those yet. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I would love to be able to use helicopters. And so that's... we'll just see what we what if we get people trained to do it. So I guess this is an important distinction here too, right? So um, 
there is no guarantee that we will ever be able to use helicopters in an event. Right. Because weather, because... There's so many variables. All the different factors, right? So I wanted to make sure that this was its own isolated experience for people, right? While also getting the training that would allow them to do this without any support. Exactly. And just a little bit of a correction to what I had said earlier when I met, when I said like the coolest event uh, for me personally, and, and a lot of the people that do do these trainings, that itself is the event. I didn't necessarily mean at, at an airsoft game and, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. No, no worries. Um, two things moving forward. One, I don't think you'll be that surprised about. Um, I've actually spent a lot of time in North Bay. I, I grew up around that general area and I am quite well known at Fanny's North Bay, the local strip club. <laughs> we'll, we'll fly by yelling your name. <laughs> How's that sound? Um, number two is more of a, a moral, uh, kind of a moral compass for you. Is, is this class already filled up? Oh, okay. So I I would like a spot, please. <laughs> so it's funny because I so when we ran our close protection course, I had twelve spots and I had lots of interest. And then when I tried to actually fill it up with people, uh, it was very difficult. And right. I, I, we almost didn't run it because of the the number of people there. So my intent is is to start with twelve, and if we fill this thing up, I they are all for running another one, and so am I. Awesome. Right? So we this won't be the only time. If this yeah. works, if this fills up, it won't be. It will certainly not be the only time we do it. Do you have an idea of what the price on that is going to be? Yeah, so we're looking at just about four hundred dollars. Right. Um, so that seems like a lot of money, and it is. But it is. Um, but I think that if you if you were to look at, so I pri- I tried to price this competitively, right? So we looked at um, little tourist flights in downtown Toronto, right? So right. if you look at how much that costs. Uh, it's 15 minutes of flying around the city for however much money um, in a little Robinson R44, right? Which is a little uh, belt-driven helicopter. Mm-hmm. So we've definitely got, I, one of my requirements was it has to be a turbine-driven helicopter. It has to be a real, something that feels real and feels authentic. And I think that the I think the Australian or the New Zealand uh, military uses this as a helicopter. So that's good. Um, and you're getting a whole day. So a whole day of learning and then... Uh, an actual little mission where you get to deploy from and get picked up by a helicopter. So if it's not worth $400, no problem. Uh, but if it is, you might you might be in hot competition to fill those those 12 spots. Yeah, exactly. And well, I mean, Sorry, it's going to be 11 because I'm definitely taking one of them myself. Yeah, there's no way you're, so, you're not going to do that also. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully when you post this, you say that there's actually only nine spots because you know I want two of those. You know, Karen and I are on that first fucking helicopter. Um, hopefully, we'll see. We we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I, you know, it's. I'm a little. I'm feeling. I'm feeling a little warm in the heart. That's like the coolest thing I've heard of and available in Ontario airsoft. There's nothing really like it. So that's amazing. I don't think so, and that's that's fine. And I, I it's not. I'm not here to to talk about how cool it is. I just it is something that I know that uh, I want to use. That that the events could benefit from and that as we talked about in our last podcast um, i want people who are qualified to do things i don't want people who are who are just there to to kind of hang out like if you're willing to put the effort in to learn then you should be rewarded for that which means if we ever use a helicopter you get like dibs yeah right? exactly. there's no and and it's maybe a refresher but it's you get the opportunity to go exactly. and that's that's more than anybody else will get to say 
Well, to be completely honest, I don't think I can talk about this subject anymore because my body is just not ready. But we can move on to another sweet secret. Um, I really hope it's just as cool. Please don't let me down. But there has been murmurs of a Blackline AO. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, so uh, we have been, you know, after COVID, uh, I, got, I got bored. So I'm like, what do we need to do? And we need, we need more places. We need places that we can go to do these operations and to train um, that provide different things, provide varying environments for people to work in. Um, so we've been in contact with a, um, an individual who owns um, an abandoned go-kart track, um, which will let us do vehicle operations, right? Wow. So we can talk about how to stop vehicles, um, how to you know, practice targeting vehicles. Um, it's also a whole bunch of woodland, so it's a, it's a fairly large, it's a reasonable sized piece of land. Um, there's a couple of bin buildings on the property, so there's just a lot of potential there for doing, uh, doing stuff. And that's, we've got in touch with them, and they're, they're very happy to, uh, to have us on board. So we're going to work with them. And that's one of maybe three other venues we're also working on, too. Um, we're just looking for more, more diverse places for us to hold events. Um, okay. Yeah. And part of it too is, you know, the way that we operate these events is we may only be at a site for a few hours at a time, right? So right. it opens up potential for you to, to use a lot of places that maybe not uh, interested in hosting a, like a large airsoft game. Yeah, exactly. And the go-kart track would be perfect for that. Having the, it, it kind of opened up some avenues for you guys doing that vehicle training and, you know, proper dismount of it with having the appropriate area to do that in. Um, yeah, I think that there's there's some, you know, whenever we talked about, not that a lot of guys do nightfall, but there's always a, a vehicle component to nightfall, mm -hmm. and I think how many times a year do you actually get to work on shooting at slash stopping one, right? Yeah, I think exactly. It's probably nightfall. So well, yeah, nightfall is definitely the primary game that has vehicles. Uh, the Black Soul guys have they have the best vehicle in Ontario airsoft right now. It's at nightfall every year, but they at their games that they host, they've been using their own personal vehicle, um, and it's it's basically it's a big ice cream trucker delivery van that has a uh, they actually made like a big mounted platform on the top. It's really cool, but the idea is there is a lot of times where people are getting out of the back and you feel really badass like dropping in and jumping out of a vehicle and it's really cool but if you had a group of people that actually got to practice how to properly do that it, it would make a world of difference yeah so there's you know i think that's a good example so when we what was it we ran uh verdant star where we went to um capture an individual out of another game um, we had guys practice getting it out of a u-haul right like mm -hmm. it's everyone is like everyone imagines this being so cool to do right you're gonna ride in with your kit in a u-haul and you're gonna get out but i can promise you if it's the first time you've done it it looks like a gong show it looks like a clown car mm -hmm. right and i've seen it i know it mm -hmm. um so you know to look professional to feel like you are competent you have to practice mm -hmm. and so things like like a an isolated track you can use this stuff on is really useful mm -hmm. um but we've had you know Part of the impetus to do this too is that we've had situations where we've had to stop a vehicle, and we were unable to, right? So we we had to we hadn't figured out what the proper protocols were to stop a vehicle, how to do it safely, right? Because you're you're basically trying to stop a moving 
car. How do you do that safely? Um, so this will help us practice some of those skill sets, help us uh, integrate that into our events in a way right. that we know people are, are capable of doing safely. Oh, exactly. And that's one thing, like some people might think it's silly again to have to do prerequisite events to come to an event. But the things that you guys are hosting are things that if there isn't the proper knowledge, there could be a certain level of harm. There's all, I mean, this is, there is a, a certain amount of increased risk in the stuff that we're doing. And that's something that we're, we're continuously monitoring and something we're very conscious of. So when we talk about, you know, we're going to charge you a bunch of money to go learn how to fly in a helicopter. Yeah. Because there's a, bunch of real risks in doing that it's not all john wayne cowboy jump out with your gun running around right it's there's some actual serious risks to your health and safety so the, you know these things vehicle stuff um you know proper ambushes there's there's a lot of opportunities there to work out skill sets that you know then people become more confident at and and safer at right so yeah. the prerequisite stuff I'm not really bothered. If, if there's a lot of people that you've been hearing saying they don't want to go to pre-wet stuff, that's fine. Um, there's probably still a place for those people at Blackline, but they're not going to be the guys flying in a helicopter and they're not going to be the guys doing a road stop, right? It's just, no. you can do security. You're very capable of doing that. Um, you know, and that's something that's very easy to do that we know is not high risk to you. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, what else as a, as a game host or... Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't even necessarily call what you do games more like as an experience provider, I would say. Um, good, actually. I like that. Um, like, you can't expect everyone to be on the same mentality. We've talked about that earlier, about people wanting to do training versus not. There, there's going to be people out there that think it's stupid to have to pay twice for one event or something like that, but fuck them. <laughs> well, we definitely we don't try to make the training events prohibitively expensive. Right. No, well, I, I think when never... we did, yeah, when we did Ruby Echo, I think they were like fifteen or twenty-five dollars. I, I think it was, 100. yeah, I think your training course was fifty. I think I did Ruby Echo. I think something like that, uh, between thirty and fifty. Because I remember I really wanted to be involved in Ruby Echo, oh. and this is one of the things that we had talked about the first time. I really wanted to be involved, and. Uh, was that a weird weird time for me? I had so much shit going on. I'm a I'm a busy guy as is, and I I'm kicking myself in the ass for not putting my get getting my foot in the door, which is something we'll talk about in a little bit about how to really get involved. But uh, I uh, again I might be wrong. I know you probably have the information or look you can look it up. But whatever the cost was, the idea being that you pay this little amount of money, and you're not just you're not just paying to go and learn something and not play airsoft. Oh, quick little shout out to Karen for bringing me another beer. Thank you, baby. Um, you're you're still playing airsoft. You're paying. You're going to an event, and you're doing the same shit that you pay, do at another event. You're just doing it in a different style. So, like, you're you're still playing the game. You're paying to go play the game. That's how I looked at it when we priced it, right? Which was, you're going to go and you're going to have, you could do some airsofting, right? And what do you pay for a skirmish day of airsoft? Like 25, 30 bucks, maybe 40 if it's a bigger skirmish. So Just... there's nothing wrong with asking someone to, to go play airsoft and learn some stuff. And then that gives you access to something else. Oh, exactly. I don't, I don't think so anyway. 
No, and I think if you were to if you were to bring yourself down and try and meet in the middle, I think it would take away from the value of what you're actually trying to give the community. As much as I'd, I'd love to say all your shit should be free and that's awesome, but you know, well, I think I think all everybody listening recognizes that's not usually possible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, but no, it, I, it's I, there's there's a bit of a there's a bit of a balance here, right? Because I know we're still not good at. Like you're already defining it. You're already talking about it as we're having this conversation about how do you get involved. Mm-hmm. And we, I know that there is a barrier to entry, a perceived barrier to entry. But I would also be doing a disservice to all the people who have put in time and effort, who now have transformed the way they, they participate to match this new reality. I'd be doing them a disservice if I just said, yeah, totally open sign up. Anybody can show up and you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Right? There's definitely some, there's a balance to be fought there. Um, to get people involved and also to make sure people that have put in the effort get what they're they're looking for out of the event. Well, exactly. And I don't think... So, there definitely... Some of the stigma before was there was a little bit of a, like, fight club aspect of Blackline. It was like, don't talk about Blackline anywhere else. And especially don't talk about Blackline to anybody that's not Blackline. Um... And I think a little bit of that was to do with some of how you do do these surveillance things and whatnot. You never know who's on your side, who's not, who's playing an event against you. Um, and it was a really cool aspect. There, there was this thing of like, wow, that guy does Blackline and I have no idea what it is. So it must be cool. Like, and it, it is cool. But now moving into the territory where there are so many people interested and you're, 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 you yourself aren't doing anything really different to make it more available to the community. It's just the community is more switching their mentality into wanting to get involved. And some of the stigma has been, I guess, pushed back by some more friendlier known players getting involved and letting everyone else know that they can also just get involved. Um, Yeah. So I think that the important distinction there is that uh, there's nothing secret about black line because obviously i have a website and we're yeah. talking about it and so it exists right yeah. there's nothing yeah it's not a, not a super secret organization um but what is important and where you do get that secrecy in the and that aspect is when there's operations running um as a really simple example during uh one of our ops uh an individual posted a picture on instagram of what they were doing uh and the the backlash from the people doing that operation was intense because they know that the opposition force is constantly scouring Instagram, Facebook, uh, chats, anything they can get their hands on, the open source intelligence to give them an advantage. And so, you know, when something is running, there is definitely a level of secrecy because we know that we've we've, we've (coughs) enabled people like the op for to use anything at their uh, disposal to every every group is allowed to use whatever is legally <laughs> available to them to gain an advantage. Right. And so it, it really does become there's an intelligence operation running all the time. There's an open source intelligence gathering exercise. There's map analysis. There's all this stuff happening. Uh, and so when people talk about it when it's ongoing, then that's that's a that's a that's a bad well, operational security breach. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it's just it's it's great to see the community evolving. Um, and a lot of the things I say or I see are 
wildly going to be different than the things you say or see because we're on different ends of the spectrum, right? I'm a guy that's was on the outside wanting to get involved, right? So from from my perspective, it did seem like this big like secrecy thing until I was now involved. And I was like, oh no, that's just a stigma of the people that don't know yet, right? Uh, ish, right? Because I, I agree with you that you're you've started to touch base on the inside, but you know you've even mentioned it just a few minutes like back early in the conversation. Yep. You can't talk about that operation that's going on. Yep. Right. Um, and there is still nothing saying that the individual next to you at some game is not actually oh. working on another angle at the same time. Oh, exactly. I like, I want to just make sure we're on the same page. Like, I'm not, uh, and the people listening, I'm not talking about like the secrecy of what, what black line is, but the actual events that you guys are hosting, it's in the name. You, you explained at the start, it's espionage. It's spies. So part of the, part of the allure of what you're doing is the, the element of you don't know who's listening, who's whatever. So these, these guys in the past that weren't talking about black line, even though you knew they're involved and they're like, Oh, like tell me. And they're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to talk. Like they were kind of enjoying that aspect of black line. Cause they didn't know I, I could have easily already been heavily involved and been trying to talk to my buddies, chomps and Tony uh, about being like, Oh yeah. Like, let me know. I don't know. I'm just some guy. I give I give credit to um, to Angry Loner Ranch and their Deadfall event for that because when we when I started participating in that years ago, the the development of that out of game game uh, mm-hmm. was taking taking hold and there was a lot of intelligence sort of gathering happening on a superficial level and I think we've just sort of codified that into the events yeah. now that you know you're who are you up against, right? And who, who is, you know, you've identified one person, who are they likely to be operating with? What are their capabilities? What kind of weapons do they have? What are their night vision? Because that stuff actually makes a difference. Oh, exactly. And, and I think that's the other, the other component of this is that because Blackline is not a meat grinder, right? Blackline does not have immediate respawn or, you know, it isn't, it isn't uh, flag-based or anything. The thing is, that if you can figure out stuff about your opponent and use that to your advantage, there's actually value there. It, because the, the missions and the rules and the structure are based around rewarding you for that advantage. Yeah. If you happen to know that your team... So a really good example was something that we did a while ago. But we'd done a bit of a threat assessment on the opposing side, and we knew that those guys were... Um, they were shooters, right? They were gung-ho, ready to go shoot some stuff. And so the best way to stop that from, the way to exploit that was to not give them anything to shoot. Let them get really bored, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's people who are there to play a game see that as not cheating, but they see it as um, like poor sportsmanship. Right. But people who are there strategically thinking about, you know, if I just let these guys freeze for the next six hours, that's going to do my work for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's and in very... that, sorry, in that example that I gave, you know, we actually end up using that to our advantage by by giving them nothing to shoot at for hours and at like eight, twelve, you know, fifteen hours, and then probing them once. And because they'd been so keen to shoot, they all ran to that target and basically left their objective exposed, and we just mm-hmm. took it. Oh, right? that's very similar to um, obviously like two different levels, but when we go to Milsom events and we know that we're going up against a team that uh, I'm, I'm sure you're uh, familiar with the term speedsoft. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so when we know we're going up against teams that are known speed softers um, that don't play a lot of Milsim, we're like, okay, well, let them have this part of the field. We'll see them in the ravines at 2 o'clock in the morning when it's raining, and we'll take mm-hmm. them there. So it's, it's the same kind of mentality. If you know who you're playing against, you have the opportunity to, to kind of plan against it. Yeah, I, I think that the it's playing the game uh, at a different not a different level. I don't want to make it seem like it's a more advanced way of playing it, but it's it's thinking strategically instead of just thinking about the the thing at the end of your sights, right? So if you to your point, you got speed softers, you know they're there to shoot, you know they're there to to run and gun. So either deprive them of cover by using by engaging them in big open spaces or engage them in places where they're going to be challenged or uncomfortable or um, like not not capable of, of bringing themselves to bear. And I think that's that's a basic military strategy. And I think that it, it doesn't necessarily apply at at most airsoft because most airsofters aren't thinking at that level. I think you have to kind of go to a different kind of event for it to really make an impact. You're right that it works in, in certain places um, and maybe like more one-off kind of stuff. But I think that re- Blackline rewards that in a very tangible way. That's some like some serious... Art of War shit. It's the, it's, well, it's directly Sun Tzu, right? But knowing, knowing the enemy, knowing yourself. I don't remember the exact yeah, quote. No, no, you're the, the I, actually, stuff, right? Yeah. We're talking about uh, fighting an enemy by not fighting him and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah it's, it, I don't know. Is this just an opportunity to, yeah. like, these, these are, this is more interesting to the people that do Blackline because it's mm-hmm. more cerebral. They're using their brain as opposed to just thinking about how to just flank that guy. Yeah, exactly, and and that's a great thing, and I, I think what a lot of it is too, because myself, uh, I only got into Milsim four years ago, and I've seen a massive evolution in the teams' mentalities. Maybe not, not so much the games. The games have relatively stayed the same, other than um, some some of the stuff that like Black Cell's bringing in is is very different and growing and stuff like that. But the, you know, your your force recon nightfall games i can't i can't hold it against them at all the game stays consistently the same so you know the experience you're going for but you're having these people that are now looking for something to supplement that and it's a very easy transition now with blackline so i guess in the public eye being able to be like oh that would naturally be the next step for me to start partaking in mm-hmm. i we i found that people were and we talked about this last time too, that we're starting to attract people that had left Airsoft, mm-hmm. right? So there are people who've been out of Airsoft for years and then they, they hear about this and they go, that's what I was hoping for back when I left, right? But they'd, mm-hmm. they'd, they'd reached the point where most typical stuff wasn't entertaining them anymore and they wanted something different and, right. and more challenging. And that's, I think that's what we're giving people now. Exactly. And so it's nice to see, it's nice to give people something. You know, you're talking about how your your team is sort of thinking about things differently and starting to explore yep. new options. And this is, this is just another way to do stuff. Right? And uh, just, uh, again, as an outside player that has seen a lot of people go in and out of, like, black line events, uh, the best kind of player is the player that is playing Ontario Milsim or even stateside Milsim and says, wow, I'd like to do something a little bit more advanced. And then they do black line. And they either do Blackline and say, I don't want to do that other stuff anymore, but I'm just going to keep doing this. Or they come back to that other stuff and say, Blackline is really cool. It would help you all. But what happens sometimes, and very rarely with some players, is they do Blackline 
And then they come back to normal Milsim and they start talking shit about that and say, this is nothing like Blackline. And then it, it there's, there becomes like an ego almost. And I know that is nowhere near your intention, but you can't, obviously you can't control all the people that come out of your things. No, and I would really encourage people who are coming back to other games and talking about how it's not like Blackline or if they're, they're speaking negatively about other games. I would tell those people, like, remember, there are a million ways to play this game. Exactly. And Blackline is just one way, and there is nothing wrong with playing Airsoft in any of these ways. And no. if you're going to criticize one way, there's nothing stopping people from criticizing you for liking it another way. I Exa just think exactly. this, this is all different ways to make different cakes, but mm -hmm. we're all still eating cake, so let's not criticize that it's all cake. Exactly, and that's the, be the best players I know in this sport are the player like one most of my really good friends are members that have partaken in blackline events and then come back and still do play other Ontario Milsim and they go hey I learned this cool shit here I'm going to apply it at this other style of event and just have fun with it and just play the sport instead of trying instead of trying to compare the two because they're so wildly different yeah and that's part of the reason blackline exists is because the stuff that that people try to do at blackline um, it doesn't transfer well back. Like some, I mean, to your point, like the comm stuff is fine, right? That's going to be, that's a universal skill. Um, but doing signals intelligence or open source gathering on your opposing force or attempting to uh, outlast them in the cold doesn't always apply at another event. I think that, I think it's important. I think it's really important to remember that, that Airsoft is Airsoft. This is one flavor of Airsoft. And just like you don't criticize people for liking different flavor of ice cream, like unless you like chocolate mint, then fuck you. Do you want to end the call now? <laughs> no, wanna... no, you don't. <laughs> so, but I, but you know what I mean, right? So yeah. it's it's important, and I think that yeah, oh. it, the, the skills don't transfer well both ways, and that's why Blackline exists. Is because when we tried to when I tried to use some of this stuff in regular Milsim, uh, I wasn't successful, and it it didn't jive with what many people were there for. Exactly. So instead, make a thing that brings in a very specific kind of people that it will work for. Exactly. Uh, one, a small, very small counterpoint to that I have. You said uh, about how some of the, the intelligence side of it maybe doesn't transfer to games. And just, just using Nightfall as an example, because it it's kind of the, the big elephant of Ontario Airsoft, is... Excuse me. Um, Excused. If you were to go to your commander and, and you, you've partaken in this intelligence side of like research or whatever, and you go to your commander and you bring him a portfolio of the teams you're playing against and you know roughly what they're, you know, how many night vision they have, what kind of players they are, how they've performed in the past, you all of a sudden just created a new experience for yourself that isn't even part of the game. You've just made your own fun because of something you like to do and it wildly helps your team. If the commander uses it, yeah. If, and even, I think, even if he doesn't, you've just made your you've made your own fun, and it's something you like to do. Yeah, if you're if you're doing that for fun at nightfall, and you haven't done blackline, like you are, you oh yeah, are, oh 100, you're missing out. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I remember when we did the event in downtown Toronto. We did Civic Burden. There were guys that had started printing out pictures of sus like suspected people we brought a printer to this office space we brought a projector we had a bulletin board like there were target pictures up on the wall before people had even gotten too far so we're leveraging that interest in people the people that have that sort of interest um 
and making a really interesting experience for people. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's awesome. And it's, you know, it's, I think I said it earlier here. I, I forget my exact words were, but I really think black line is more of a experience provider than an event host. Yeah. Cause I don't think. Cause when people yeah. hear event and like airsoft game or whatever, they, they think of something different. Whereas if you're kind of just a simple change in words kind of changes the mentality of what you should be expecting, I guess, going into it. So I try and stay away from the word game and people might think, Oh, you're not a game. But the, the reason I stay away from that is because I think a game is meant to be fair and competitive and scored. Right. Like if you think about a game of chess, right, you all have the same number of pieces and access to the same moves. Mm -hmm. Think about a game of Call of Duty. You all have, you know, an even team and you have access to the same weapons. And this is definitely not a game because we are everyone is intentionally trying to make this an asymmetric fight. Oh, exactly. And I we very frequently will dump a a large number of people against a small number of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not so much a is that a game? I don't know. Maybe from some people's perspective. Um, I prefer event because it encompasses more and it makes it seem a little less, it's, it's not intended to be fair. Mm-hmm. Right. There was a good conversation. Sorry, just to interrupt, but there was a, no a good conversation on one of the, um, Canadian Milsem comms chats people were talking about and, and someone said how signal eavesdropping ruins a game, right? If you're allowed to scan channels, like it ruins the event. And I think that if you are in a, in a situation where you know, you're supposed to have, quote, encrypted comms, and you're supposed to have, you know, you're, or you're trying to manage foreign people at an event. Like you kind of have to do that, and there's, it seems unfair to scan other people's channels. But from our perspective, like, everything is fair, right? Yep. So if someone's broadcasting on the radio and they're giving out their location or their challenged password, like, that's all fair. That's all fair. It's a very famous quote, all's fair in love and airsoft, I think is what they say. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's very point. One, I partially disagree with that just because we are something we I just learned in your uh, comms courses. We are restricted to so few channels that going into a public game or something like that where a person you just be like, well, they have to be on one of these eight channels or sorry, how many channels is it? 22. 22, okay. Looks, that's how good I did. Um, but we didn't, uh, we didn't ask you to remember how many. So yeah. Okay. But uh, just it, that part, I can understand a, a person's perspective, but also just it, it's part of the game, right? Like you, you have to go into it knowing that people are going to try and make the game asymmetrical. Yeah, it's. It, I definitely understand the we're limited to 22 channels and I understand people, you know, might think that that's inappropriate, but remember it works both ways, right? So if you're, if you're going to decide to scan channels, you have to dedicate a resource to that, mm. right? So there'll have to be a person or two or three and equipment that's allocated to that task. And if that's, you know, some people don't think that's valuable, so don't do it. Right. Yeah. But others, you know, it's taking up numbers from you and it's taking up a, a weapon, right? That's mm. not out shooting. They're busy listening to comms. But if the intelligence you gather from that is is worth it, then obviously right. I would take that advantage. And something we touched on very briefly while we were talking about the comms course is uh, one of the apps required is called Zello. Uh, it's a phone app that basically turns your phone into a walkie-talkie via cell service. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, having your phone on the airsoft field isn't optimal. Um, 
I have broken two phones now playing airsoft with them, but uh, very worth it. I like to take pictures. I'm a social media whore. Um, but the Zello app, even uh, even outside of Airsoft, is just a cool app. You you add contacts just like anything else, and then you can create little bubbles on your phone that if you ever want to contact this person, you press it and talk. And then if they have you, if they have it, so communication should just go through any time. Then uh, they can hear you talk. They can respond. It's great. Uh, sorry, uh, kind of becomes a bit of an inconvenience. When uh, you have your buddy Candu on as one of your uh, people and you're at family Christmas and he comes on through your pocket uh, talking very proper. Or was it was it before we did the thing? He's like, he's like, N.O. four to N.O. one Viking, this whatever. And then he's like, did you see that fucking this blah, 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 blah. And uh, Karen's parents, God bless their soul, are very anti swearing. And my pocket just starts going off. And I was like, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> yeah, I would highly recommend that if you decide to start using Zello, you also learn to turn it off. That's very important. Absolutely. But, uh, it's not just because uh, it's designed to be, to your point, a PTT app. So it should broadcast a lot of time. So it's important to turn, to turn it off. True. Um, we, we use it because – so just to be clear, if people are interested in Zello, I would encourage you to go to the Blackline website because we've done – uh, articles on why we use it. We've done articles on the kind of accessories you can use with it because that's that's actually a really big piece of it to figure out what works well and what doesn't. Um, but it's it is private, so you can build channels that are 100% private. It is secure in that no one is going to eavesdrop, um, and and it's pretty reliable if you have cell service. It's pretty easy in southern Ontario, uh, even in some of the places you think you would be more remote uh, to get cell service and to use Zello. And it, it's just a very handy app. It, we use it for the the command and control networks, so where we can have people stationed, say, in downtown Toronto, but also operating out at PRZ or operating up north, and, and they can all talk to each other. Yep. And then you keep the you keep the tactical comms to to sort of your just regular UHF, right? Because yeah. that's more limited range, but also it's it's more focused. That's usually how we're using it. Yeah, and kind of a, a couple points on Zello before we move on. One, it is wildly fun to mess around with your friends uh, on a walkie-talkie. So being able to do it anywhere and just you know, like if you're if you're not sending your best friend a, a good night walkie-talkie before you go to bed, this is this is one of Canada Sai's favorite things. Um, so it's amazingly fun if you're on a team or anything, it, it's great. One, one thing that we've been wanting to do is using only Zello to play video games, try and just only do our call outs on, uh, that as our talking. Um, that's actually one of the things that I think would make, would be a really natural, uh, blend with it. Now, what would really excite you is to know that, um, with the right accessories, you can just plug your, your tactical headset into it. So you can just yeah, I want, operate that way. I really, uh, and I, I have seen on your website, there's links to all that. And that's definitely something I want. Anybody listening, all of the links uh, from any of this will be posted in the comment section below or side or wherever they are that you listen to this. Um, another thing that I thought of for Zello is I, I'm not so much worried about it for myself when I'm jogging late at night in dark, scary places. Um but for girls or little dainty boys 
having an app where you can instantly send anything to someone if you're going through an area or any, anything at all being able to just like hey say your husband or, or whoever like hey i'm going through this area i got zello thanks whatever and then you can press and talk if anything happens you have instant communication to someone yep i mean i i would probably say it doesn't matter what your muscular build is or what your gender is doesn't and, matter and <laughs> well, it really comes comes no comms no bombs right mm. so if you um the other, I mean, Zello actually has a location share feature too. Yeah, yeah. So if you had problems, you could share stuff out. I'm, I'm a big fan. I know that it takes a bit of work to get running properly. I know some people don't like it, um, but I, I found it very useful for what we're, we're doing. Right. So. Yeah. And it, I just, uh, just another plug for Zello. Or like, I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter about your muscular build, but my, my personal <laughs> thought process when I'm going for a late night jog isn't I might get put into a van. Um, <laughs> well, then you haven't been to enough black light. I really, I really do hope at some point in time I get thrown into a van. Um, but moving on from that, a uh, little bit more about the uh, some of the stigma of the entry into, um, almost said into Zello. Zello's really easy. You download it. But the uh, stigma into Blackline, and I'll, I'll only go from my personal thought process, not some other things that people have asked me. Um what do I need for gear to play your games that actually involve assaulting? Uh, just so that we don't overdo anything like too much that we talked about before. Anybody listening that wants to hear the process of how their games go, please go back and listen to the other Blackline um, podcast. But there are games that are espionage, and there are other games that are direct assault, and there's you know just comms or the actual airsoft version of this so what do i need to play airsoft at your event so i think that what we mentioned last time i'll have to mention again is it's mission specific right yeah and so i know that you probably understand that um so let's divide it into two two categories right so let's divide into sort of an an overt and a covert right so overt would be i think what people would would typically imagine an airsoft event looks like right you've got guys in tactical helmets and plate carriers and all that kind of stuff and they're doing their thing and the covert end of things you're looking at people who are in civilian clothes who can transition into fighting very easily right and when we ran our theater raid that was actually the, the biggest challenge we had was how do you go from your car to the building looking like a regular human not causing any alarm and then within moments transition into fighting order, right? Mm -hmm. And this was our first real attempt at that. Um, I guess let's focus on the covert stuff and I'll come back to, yep. to overt for you. So covert stuff's tough because, um, again, you're trying to move about a city and look like a regular human being. And I think it's really important to shout out here and say you're not supposed to carry your airsoft gun like a concealed weapon, right? right. So you can't put a gun in your holster and put it under your clothes and walk around the streets. That is. There's so many safety issues. There's so many legal issues with that. You don't do that. And that's not what we would do at an event, right? Um, would you have your holster on? Maybe, right? So there's a risk factor there, right? Because a holster in itself is still concerning for some people if it was seen. So there's some questions. Um, but generally speaking, you're thinking about, I've got to get out of a car or I've got to walk down a street and then I've got to go into this building and then do tactical things. Mm -hmm. So... When it comes to that kind of equipment, we're still fine-tuning what this looks like. And the problem we ran into um, for our last, for the theater raid was, you had guys who wanted to wear 
spiritus rigs and plate carriers and stuff, but that requires you to have a big bag. So now you have to have a bag that looks like a civilian bag and also takes time to put on. So the covert stuff is actually, ironically, probably more accessible to people because what you're really looking at is, is a way to transport your weapon safely and, um, and securely. So the same way you would go to siege, for example, how are you transporting your gun to siege, right? Um, but in a, in, a, in a more low profile way, mm -hmm. right? And you don't actually need a lot of gear, right? So could you get away with a belt, right? With a couple mags and a, a holster? Um, could you get away with uh, like a sling, right? Could you actually even use just a messenger bag right. that's got a, an SMG in it, right? That's actually the level, the, the bare minimum entry level you could get away with for some of these events. Well, so this is actually the exact point at me as a, a consumer, I'm looking at, I want to make a loadout that is a black line loadout. And I've Which, heard... by the way, I'm really going to start recommending people do. Based right. on some of the stuff that we're planning in the future, your ability to to have a very low-profile, easily accessible loadout will be very important. Exactly. But please and, go on. And so a couple of us on the team have been talking about what is our best bet to be able to do this covert stuff. So we've heard stuff of you have to basically go in in civilian clothes you have a very set amount of time to put your shit on and go it's not it's not like you're trying to force people to jump out of a van with their stuff on in the middle of downtown toronto and going to things Ooh. like we we do know there's and for anybody that doesn't know for most of your events especially the theater raid you went into a staging area but you had to get out of it correct yeah we sort of had built a couple areas where the op four couldn't be mm -hmm. and so it's a little bit forced we didn't really want to do that but it's necessary so that people could Safety uh, you first. Didn't just, yeah, you didn't just have a bunch of bodies laying at the front door, right? Right. Um, but it's and it, this is what I would encourage you to do. So, you're if you're in the process of thinking through this problem, what I would say is, imagine going from looking totally civilian to operationally effective, hmm. and trying to keep that time as literally as short as possible. Right. I mean, it's, in some cases, it's it's as simple as thinking about I've pulled an MP5 out of my backpack, hmm. right? Um, but as you build your loadouts, try and find a way to go from covert to like actionable. Right. Within when I'm saying short, I mean ideally like five to ten seconds would right. be the right timeline based right. on what we did at the theater raid. So my my thought process and the the rig I'm putting together, and this was this was my issue about the trying to get involved because I didn't know what level I had to be prepared to get involved. Cause like, I know you have uh, like certain aperture that was the one that was, it was out in the bush. It seemed relatively accessible. Everyone was wearing camo, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's hard getting into it, knowing what am I going to be able to do? Uh, the loadout I want to make is I want to make something accessible to everything. I'm looking at a, uh, AK 74 U folding stock right now that will fit into a, normal size everyday backpack mm -hmm. like not a you know whatever kit bag or something like that you can't walk around and look suspicious with because the other thing i don't know is say and I, hopefully this is somewhat of a thing but like i'd like to be able to have my kit so inconspicuous that other people that are playing the game don't know that like you know when you you see another gun nut or an airsoft guy you're like oh that's airsoft gear right yeah so that's that's going to be less a gear problem and more a uh, clothing and and 
um, attitude problem. I don't mm -hmm. say att attitude is the wrong way, but behavior problem. Because you're right, when you walk down the street, it's really easy to identify people who may be part of a firearms or airsoft community, right? There's yeah. usually a little bit of Velcro here and there, and there's yeah. some Merrill shoes, or there's a fan, like a like a Casio shock watch, and you're like, oh, like I can see that. Yeah. Honestly, the real challenge. Now, do you work in construction? Yes. So I'll give you a great example. We have another guy that works in construction, and his low-profile kit was his construction gear and his work bag. Yeah. And it, going into an abandoned building, two or three guys dressed like that are completely inconspicuous and yeah, would not yeah. even be looked at twice. Yeah, that that's my point right now. Of my problem right now is I'm trying to figure out a loadout load that I can fit in either, like you said, a messenger bag or a, maybe a laptop bag or something that's not a full-length rifle that is going to be hard to transport in anything other than a gun bag. Yeah, and we've had some guys try to bring uh, M4s, but it is you almost start to need like a hiking backpack to transport that stuff, right? And to make it look inconspicuous anyway. Has um, anyone and, done the old guitar case? Oh, there is a cool company uh, that we saw at SHOT Show called Savior Equipment. I think SAV, I, yeah. Yeah, I think I've and seen it. And they make just epic guitar cases. Well, like I, have a, I have a few guitar cases myself, and uh, Caleb and I are both, we're actually in a band. Just check out check out On the Hill or Hot Dells, depending on when you're listening. Um, but uh, we've talked about guitar bags before, too, and even just taking a soft shell one and putting some sort of foam insert in it. Like we, The problem is we're not involved yet to know what we are actually going to need versus what we're not, which is kind of the fun part. Yeah, so it, it's sort of a challenge because for the covert stuff, you... You basically have to think about blending into the world first before you think about what to bring with you. Right. So, um, like, I work on a on a regular day when there's not COVID. I work in an office, okay. right? So I have suits and like computer bags and stuff. And if I'm walking downtown Toronto, like, no one will look at me more than twice, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. you know, if that's the way that you're transporting your stuff to an objective, like, good. Um, if you're in Prince Edward County and you're in Picton or Belleville, and you're walking around in a suit, that's going to be a different problem, right? Yeah. There's not People are going to be spending that. Yeah. yeah. So, right? so what, is the, what is the environment you're trying to blend into? And then what is the, what is the equipment that you can carry yeah. stuff in that fits that situation, right? Oh, so yeah. guitar case is a good example. Maybe more applicable um, on an evening uh, in a sort of a, a downtown area where you might be going to a club or something to perform, or maybe, you know, if you're on the weekend traveling by bus somewhere, maybe that's acceptable. Um, but it would be dependent on where you're going. Cause I, I think you might have trouble, uh, walking in Picton with a guitar case. It might look a little more suspicious anyway. Right. It's, tr it's true. Um, so I guess the, the real question then is, um, and I guess it will grow as Blackline grows and you host more events, but how realistic is it for someone to say, okay, I want to play Blackline, so I need a covert loadout? Or is there enough of your overt games that they can say, okay, I just want to do overt and I'll do some of the talk stuff? Yeah, so if we go overt, um, it is a specific, I wouldn't say it's a specific kit. It's a much more... Um, real, realistic. That's not a good way to do it either. It's a more common thing, right? I think mm -hmm. most people have yeah. overt loadout, right? Guys have right. plate carriers and camouflage and all that stuff. Um, do you need anything different from that? No. I think that the the people who are really good and who do it a lot 
have streamlined that kit. And I think the last, I think I heard one of your podcasts, you guys were talking about your gear and you were talking about stripping stuff down. And I certainly hope you heard my podcast. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> in that one. Um, yeah. but, you, but the idea of, of trying to make that kit as, as minimal as possible while also being effective, right. there's actually a really good, so one of the stories I heard about SEAL Team, that show, um, was, you know, they had these, these are actors doing mm-hmm. SEAL Team stuff. Yep. And over the course of some of the seasons, the, the, the actual individuals have learned a preference for how they organize their gear, right? They're issued all this, they don't want to use it. They're just yep. using it the way they're supposed to in the, in the show. Um, but they've learned, you know, I prefer this up here. It makes it easier for me to get a hold of, or I prefer this down here. And I think that's like that evolution that you go through is probably one of the marks of the more advanced people playing black line is that they've been through that loop hundreds of times in their head. And now they're like, I should move this over one row of Molly, or yeah. I should oh. have this down by an extra two inches because that's a better position for me. Or I, I, they've gotten even more fine tuned. It's like this rig is specifically for this kind of overt op in this kind of environment. Absolutely. Right? Um, um, so yeah. what you said you had heard about SEAL Team. Have you not watched SEAL Team? Yeah, no, I have. Oh, okay. No, but I heard, I heard, a, I heard, <laughs> oh. heard a story about the people on it. For, any, for anybody that hasn't watched SEAL Team, if you're an airsofter or anything like that, it's one of the easiest action shows to get your girlfriend to also watch with you because there's a lot of good drama, family drama, just an all-out good show. So watch that. Until, like, well, just watch for a season and then watch the gunfights of the rest of the show, but whatever. <laughs> um, moving on from that, though, I, I, think, I think we've kind of covered basically everything that a lot of people like me had questions of trying to get involved. And especially now that there is more people trying to get involved in the comms course, which will eventually lead to them getting into any other course. Um, just the question of what kind of loadout do you need was the biggest thing. Like for me, I didn't up until this year or well coming up next year, I'm just working on getting out of HPA right now. My biggest concern was I'm an HPA player. How can I possibly play a black line game i mean it's doable i think that the challenge with hpa um is that there's a whole other logistics challenge attached to it exactly so for one i don't think we run events at any place that will charge your tanks for you right so there's your first problem is like you're gonna have to carry all that for yourself Mm -hmm. um the second challenge is that i know it takes up space right Mm -hmm. i know that you're having to carry tanks on you uh if it's not if it's more than one, it takes up more room than maybe necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, uh, like, you're also not supported necessarily as easily by the logistics machine, right? So if we right. have a, gu- a guy's running talk who could run you supplies, your bag specifically has to be delivered to you. I yep. can't just drop off a bag of batteries or a bag of, you know, something. Absolutely. Right? So it's not it's not impossible, but you're taking on a logistics challenge that may make you less capable um, than others. And I'm not saying it's not possible, but it is something you just have to sort of consider. Yeah, and that, that's been the biggest thing for me. Uh, one of my biggest holdbacks is I, I didn't have a loadout ready that was a, um, well, like you had heard in the, in one of the past episodes, learning about like what I'm taking off my gear, like I'm learning how to work more efficiently uh, as a as a human body. Like I'm learning what works, what doesn't, and one of the biggest issues is the hose and all that stuff. And where if I'm trying to do a covert op, where am I then going to hold a hose and tank line when I got to deploy so quick? Like yeah, realistically, I could tuck it in my pants line, uh, and that could yeah. work, but. 
Like you're starting you know. to think through the challenges the right way, right? If you think about having to walk down the street, um, that's just being, my huge cock. Yeah, <laughs> weird, strange pipe thing that you got going on. <laughs> you see a doctor about that. Um, but I mean, it's it is a challenge that you have to start to think through, right? And I listen. I have no opposition to HPA. I have no opposition to gas. I like gas. I have no real preference. Um, my only concern has always been and will remain being. Are you operationally effective? Right. Are you effective 100% of the time? Because if you are not, you are putting your team and the entire mission at risk. So that is something you have to work out. I'm not saying you have to work it out before you show up at Blackline, but it if you have holes in that kind of uh, system, Blackline will probably find them. Right. And the consequences are real. It's not like you can call a pause. It's like we have to extract you because your gun doesn't work. Right. Exactly. And I don't think it's inherently a black line issue i think it lies a lot in the actual you the consumer being uh having a thought process of i'm about to experience something that is is relatively the the closest to a real experience i can have and, and i'm going into it with a line and tank it kind of takes away from the immersion of the event for the actual consumer um, I don't think it's in here. I sort of agree that I don't think that lines and hoses and tanks are as authentic, but I also think that I'm, I'm not the person to tell you not to run one. If you're really capable, if you're really, uh, yeah. if you've really got this thing worked out and you're just really effective, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm that's what you know. that's what I'm saying. It's not inherently a uh, black line. I think it's more on the consumer side of that, not sure. wanting to, you're, you're doing this because you're in the mindset you want to play the best pretend you can play and, yeah. and you have an automatic immersion uh, kind of runer. Yeah. Um, but anyways, buddy, starting to wrap it up a little bit. Is there anything else you kind of have to say to the community? Um, I appreciate um, the support that's sort of been started. People talking about stuff, uh, getting people more interested in things like comms. It's nice to see uh, almost two courses filled up after last weekend. Um I appreciate people who are willing to continue taking a chance on us, right? People who are willing to go outside their comfort zone to challenge themselves in a new way that maybe they didn't think they could. Um, I appreciate people who are finding value in training, right? I appreciate people who are learning that maybe understanding how to do something better is actually useful for them. And I'm, I'm thankful they're choosing us for that, that solution. Um, we have been kind of messed up by COVID, but we are recalculating, as my GPS would say, and we are working to to provide stuff that is COVID proof. And mm -hmm. so just keep an eye on the website and the Facebook page and obviously anything that people retweet or republish or repost that we're stuff is coming. Just bear with us as we, we finalize things. Oh, and I guess too, if you're into that helicopter thing, like you better be able to smash the pay button pretty fast because I don't know how long they're gonna last. Oh, buddy, smashing the pay button's what I'm all about. That's why I'm. <laughs> that's where I am. Why I am where I am in my life. It's not because I've made great financial choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Also, for anybody listening to this, I really hope uh, we we've kind of talked that we're gonna post this around the same time, so that way there's no spoilers. Um, this isn't. Uh, recorded wildly before the announcement is made by any means, but um, no, a couple days. A couple days. Uh, actually, I mean, we are months ahead. We are the most prepared here at the Nomad Podcast. Um, but yeah, anybody listening, 
even just just do your best to get involved, especially the courses like this that sound so cool uh, with the helicopter. Is there's all sorts of people that will jump and say, "Yeah, I want to get involved," and, and you really got to think that this isn't the kind of course that. Blackline or Sean, you personally can really hold spots for people. You got to be ready to pay and put the money forward because it's the only way that it's going to drive things forward. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, again, the demand will will dictate how many of these we do, right? Mm-hmm. If there is, I really look at it as um, a bit of an experience, right? Because I, it's it is training. You're going to get a. You're going to walk away with the ability to do these things at our event in a more realistic way that, that everyone, including the pilots are comfortable with, right. which is great. But I also recognize that there's no guarantee we'll get a helicopter in an event. So it's an, it's a chance for you to learn a cool skill that most people don't have to become familiar with this stuff and then get a chance to do something kind of neat. Mm. Right. I don't think, you know, if you've ever wanted to deploy a helicopter and hit a target, like this is kind of your, your way to do it. Absolutely. And at the same time, you're going to get a little, a little sort of uh I guess not not bragging rights, not certification, just sort of a little bit of... 100% bragging rights. No, I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just prefer, like, you, you walk away with some knowledge that, that hopefully you'll get to use, and if True. not, then hopefully you had a fun experience, right? I understand. Like, it's so humble of you to say that, and I've spent this whole podcast saying that people shouldn't come from Blackline events and treat other things like them, but I can guarantee once I land in that helicopter and have completed, I will be walking around letting everyone else know that hasn't done it that I did and they have not. <laughs> like, I was in a helicopter, you were not, fuck you. I, having, I said, as having done it myself, uh, <laughs> it is a, it is a pretty neat experience. It's, it's going to be the coolest, and obviously, I'm joking in saying that, my, my whole, uh, thought process of that would be to get everyone else involved and hopefully partakes. I really do hope not that uh, black line isn't already successful in its own rights and everything like that, but I really would like to see it become such a larger uh, kind of part of the community. So that way there are more options. I've always been a big advocate of having just different ways to play the sport. And I just, uh, as as humble as you are, I would just like to let, let you know how appreciative I am that you're taking time to kind of come on to this podcast and talk to the general community. Thanks, man. I I credit Michael Bright a lot for pushing me, and there's a bunch of other guys out there that do a lot of uh, pushing mm-hmm. on on me. Um, but I'm we're not better and we're not worse. We are just different. And if you like our specific brand of different, I promise you'll have fun. What are the chances of a black line kegger? Uh, <laughs> if so, if we ever had one, the location would have to be determined by you solving a bunch of intelligence problems. That sounds fun. I think it would be a location that would be secret that you would have to discover through a bunch of hard work, and the people that are there are the ones that have figured it out. Well, I hope. I hey, maybe maybe that happens at some point in time. But I will also say. You had already pointed out Michael Bright. Uh, he's been a massive um, advocate for myself of wanting to get more involved. He he really had a lot of information for me when I needed it. He also came on the podcast. I believe he came on it the episode before you or two episodes mm-hmm. before you. Um, him and I did uh, an appearance on another podcast together. So shout out to him. Great guy. Um, I'm not going to even bother asking you who the great fucking guy of the week is because you will do Redacted. Unless you yeah, have you know one. Me now. Nope, yeah. No, I will not tell you. Or I could tell you, but 
I'm not allowed. So. I know you're not allowed. So guys, uh, stick around a little bit. We're going to cut out. Hopefully after this small break, I have an outro for you, but if I don't, I have the great fucking guy of the week. So Sean, have a great fucking day, buddy. Thanks. Well, now, if that's not some of the cool shit you've ever heard, Blackline coming in with some some stuff that's going to blow everything out of the water uh, in Ontario Airsoft, uh, definitely wildly different scenario. Um, obviously, it's, it's not going to be a competitor to anything that's going on right now because it's just such a different experience but it is going to be some of the coolest shit coming into 2021 let's hope covid doesn't affect anything but uh just again because i know you're probably listening to this right now sean thank you for coming on the episode really um really supporting a uh it's it's the same thing you're providing experience I'm providing some sort of experience, um, and they're they're so wildly different. So it's great to see you coming out supporting me, um, really getting your information out there. Um, and I hope anybody listening to this goes out of their way to check out some Blackline stuff. Um, it might not be, you know, the most accessible to everyone, especially that news that is getting released as we talk or as I post this. Um, so you'll either hear it here first and go check it out on their thing or you'll see it there and come check it out here. But uh, it's just another cool thing in Airsoft and I really think 2021 is going to be a great year for Airsoft. We did an amazing job as a community um, playing as much as we could throughout 2020. Every game host found different ways to make it work. Our, our year got pushed back a little bit. We started late, but we... Uh, I think as a whole, we played just as many games as we did before. Um, before I get into the great fucking guy of the week, like I said at the very start of this episode, um, this is a kind of a special one to me. It's actually a family member of mine, so uh, that's that. I'm, I'm not biased. It's 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 important. Um, but a lot of you might know or have noticed that there was a break in between season one and season two that break came at episode 10 this is going to be episode eight i believe so there will be two more episodes after this um for another short little break and i have had people ask why do i do the seasons and stuff like that and it's really just a break up break it up for me um I'd love, I would just want to keep this as fun and fresh for myself as I can because the more I enjoy it, the more you guys enjoy it. So, uh, I'll take a few months off after this. I'll, I'll get into the details a couple episodes from now uh, when I know exactly how long the break is going to be. But the next two episodes are going to be wild. We have one coming in from the hosts of Nightfall Force Recon. They're going to be coming in talking about their games. We're going to get that posted before nightfall registration which is february 1st i believe or january 29th one of those um and what is going to be so much different about the end of this season is after this episode is posted the next two episodes after this are going to come out on a weekly basis so next monday depending on when you're listening to this there's going to be an episode and the monday after that is going to be the season finale of this season um 
with the chance of a bonus episode because uh, I do have some stuff recorded that I'd like to get out there that I don't want to be the um, uh, the bonus episode, but I also want to stick to that 10-episode season just to keep a good um, good kind of, you know, everyone can expect 10, 10 episodes break. Um, but without further ado, who's the great fucking guy of the week? It is... My cousin, Nathan Varco, uh, he's from out west, moved out west with uh, with his girlfriend, I believe, and um, was a big airsoft player when he was here, uh, moved out there and has continued doing that and has been a huge supporter of the podcast. Um, he's uh, quite a bit younger than I am, but um, he's really been, every episode I post or whatever, he's shooting me messages talking about how cool it is and stuff and asking me different things about gear and whatnot so i'm doing my part as a you know almost an elder in the community uh, to help him along his journey and the reason he's getting great fun guy of the week this week is because he's recently contacted me talking about wanting to start up his own podcast and there i really want to get behind that because i feel like there are people in the community that listen to this and think oh i could do that it's really not that hard and the the thing is it's not if you can get in front of a microphone and talk you should because the more airsoft content the better um so i really want to do my you know my service not only as a cousin but also as a consumer i want to see the community grow like this so uh he recently got a hold of me asked what he needed and the the funniest part was is he's asking what i have and what i do and uh i'm currently right now the episode you're listening to using the stuff that i bought when i very like the very first stuff i bought to start podcasting um i'm not using a roadcaster pro and all that stuff that uh heavy brought in I'm, i'm using a blue yeti microphone um and I, I honestly suggest anyone thinking about starting a podcast, that's where you should start. Get yourself a Blue Yeti. But um, anyways, Nathan, buddy, great fucking guy of the week. Tell your friends. You'll you'll look cool in your group of friends because I know you guys all listen. And thank you for the support. And uh, anything you need in the future, buddy, uh, go ahead and ask away. And you can guarantee I'm going to come on your podcast and we'll shoot the shit, have a few drinks, and I'll also do the best I can to promote your podcast uh, out this way too. Thanks, buddy. Have a great day. Have a great fucking day, if you will. Moving on. We still do not have an outro. It's been uh, Country Roads, which in the last episode you guys saw, it was terrible. It doesn't work over Discord, and I'm, I'm doing it myself, so I could sing it, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save you guys that uh, that fucking ear torture um so i'll probably just end it i'll just say have a great fucking day i'll end it but something i do want um i previously talked about how we're moving into season three that that season two intro was some of my finest work and i'd like to open it up to the community uh to create an intro for season three so we have have months to come season two isn't even over yet but i want to get in that mindset uh create that intro you're 10 to 15 second long uh, around the the same time as the one that's currently at the start of the episode. But uh, the more outrageous, the better. And if someone in the community comes out with something that I really enjoy, you can guarantee that's going in. Um, Because I would like to start changing the intro every season, just like uh, like, like anime intros, they always change. Um, And I will be sending out the 
proper respects. I'll probably even post everything that comes into me, just just so you guys can listen. That that might be in the bonus episode uh, that I was talking about about um, that I don't have space for. If if I get enough things in, or even a couple, I will post those in that episode. So thank you very much for tuning in, guys. Uh, love you all. Love the support. And uh, hope everyone's staying safe. Hope everyone's family was great over New Year's. I just realized this will be the first one after New Year's. So, happy fucking New Year's, Jeff. Bye. Have a great day.